podcast where we will be covering 100 films in the history of cinema from A Trip to the Moon to Parasite and everything in between, except for Woody Allen. I mean, it's it, you, you expected it to change. It's not going <laughs> to change. Fuck you, Woody Allen. That's fuck right. If you're Woody still listening Allen. to this, Woody Allen, <laughs> fuck you, man. It's done. It's not. It's, we're not going to change our opinion on it. Okay. Ever. Even be, though you just came out with a movie with Timothy Chalamet, it doesn't change anything. We're not going to watch it. You know why? Because fuck you. Is he in? I we're forget. taking a stand here. Okay. Is Woody Allen in Dune, or what is he in? <laughs> no, he's a <laughs> I was like, director. He directed a movie that oh. had Timothy Chalamet, and I'm not even going to name it. That's fine. Because we're never going to watch it. Big sad. Also, like, come on, Timothy. Why? Yeah, why that's you, true. Why you do this? I guess know? I can't marry him. It also had Elle Fanning in it, and I was like, oh, if it wasn't a Woody oh, Allen movie, talking I would about. watch it, you know? That's fair. I really love Timothy, though. I know, but it, I can't do it, oh. you know, because frick that guy. You know, mm-hmm. well, okay. It's funny. I've been Here I've been trying are. to swear <laughs> less, like in general, in my life. But like, then I turn on this podcast, and I'm actually contractually obligated to say "fuck Woody Allen." So it's <laughs> <laughs> contractually obligated. Exactly. You are pretty much. Ma'am. And you are contractually obligated to mention. There you go. <laughs> wow, just have tired. Out of the way now. <laughs> Uh, what was it? Things we have to get away just right at the start of the episode. Fuck Woody Allen. Ryan Gosling fucks. Uh, he big monkey. He big monkey. <laughs> <laughs> also, my know. name is Hannah. Oh, my yeah. name is Reese. Uh, I'm Hunter. Strange the guy in the corner. corner. Yeah, yeah. He's got it. <laughs> yeah. That guy with the apples. Yeah. That was the thing we said mm-hmm. at one point. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember that until editing those episodes mm-hmm. yesterday. <laughs> I was like, our Apple jokes. I mean, no, we edit them. We actually, well, I mean, that's the important thing to know is we don't actually edit them. We just listen to them uh, over. We don't uh, make any edits. You are hearing exactly what our conversation was. Yeah. Uh, and then we upload it uh, the same day. So I don't, yeah. when you say a few days ago, obviously you're meaning like a month and a half ago or something. But right. like, but yeah, right. You remembered it then. Uh-huh. I did think. It would be really funny if we just told people what day we're recording this on just to like explode people's brains. We are recording this the day after you listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Don't ask questions. Just listen. Wasn't that a thing we were saying at some point that like we don't actually. Oh, like we we just do it live. We do live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then start (laughs) over again for each new person. Yep. That gets really complicated when two people tune in. So don't. Please, in. guys, only one at a time. Yeah, How many times do we have to say this? So selfish. <laughs> I do uh, want to say I watched La La Land last night. Mm-hmm. Good job. And I got to see Ryan Gosling in his glory. And I still have yet to recover mm. from the first time I watched La La Land. <laughs> I just felt like that was an appropriate place to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Was your so love I renewed? It really was. Yeah. Like, that movie makes me so sad. It also, like, refuels me creatively for some mm. reason. And I got to see Ryan Gosling's yeah. face. Mm. It's like uh, renewing the vows. It really you know. is. <laughs> I do it, like... Keeping it fresh. Probably le- even more often than once mm. every six months. That's fair. So I'm obsessed. I, I know somebody who s- kind of renewed their vows within a, a few months of getting married. Oh. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, probably not. 
I, good. I think it was more just a desire for another <gasps> ceremony. Perhaps. Oh, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> just saw that. <laughs> and no more need be said. Uh huh. I think uh, it's hilarious, though. It is kind of funny. <laughs> good times. Uh, hmm. <laughs> now that is just the perfect segue to get right on to this movie. Here we go. It's about it's about vows. <laughs> um, it's about uh, somewhat estranged, entirely estranged friends. It's about. Um, I mean, it's about Ryan Gosling in a way. True. You know, it's about Mm. it's about trying to obtain that which cannot be obtained. Yes. Like our our love for Gosling. Can can we remake this movie starring Ryan Gosling? Oh my god, I would combust. Yes. That actually might work. It would be kind of great. I don't (gasps) know that it would improve on what is here. Not necessarily. Because this is only a shockingly of his face. perfect performance. Yeah, but it would. Yeah, his but face just would for a reason to like put Ryan Gosling in this kind of setting. Right. I well. I mean, I'm always down. Not necessarily for any remake, other. Con- I guess. I just any noir film. Always right. down for it. Getting yeah. Ryan Gosling in there as a lead of a noir film yeah. does work. He's a good fit for that. Mm-hmm. And also, just having him in like the most 40s setting possible exactly. would be mm-hmm. cool. Like he yes. arguably has Amen. done more with like Blade Runner. Yes, kind of. Well, yeah, stuff, it's like it's but it's not more, like. But it's kind of not. It's different. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, I think both of them kind of have a decent amount of noirness mm-hmm. to them, and that's probably why I like them as much as I right. do. It's like neo noir, I guess they call it. It would be a neo noir, right? Yeah, but like matching the setting would be cool. Anyway, not to derail that. What are we talking about? No, we uh. should just keep talking about that. <laughs> I'm here all day. <laughs> I'll we... clear my schedule. <laughs> We will continue talking about Ryan Gosling for the next 10 weeks, and then yes. when we're done with that, we'll get back to okay, the Okay, perfect. Films. Let me go cancel my flight to watch Cora so I can stay <laughs> and talk about Ryan Gosling. That yeah. is fine, I guess. <laughs> watch Cora. I've <laughs> 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 seen snippets. 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 So we are here to talk about John Huston's 1941 adaptation of Dashiell Hammett's novel, The Maltese Falcon, which is undoubtedly one of the most notable noir films of all time with incredibly memorable performances from the likes of Humphrey Bogart, Sidney Greenstreet, Mary Astor, Gladys George, and Peter Lorre. While it is the third adaptation made of Hammett's novel, it is one of the best and remembered by film historians and fans alike as being one of the first major studio examples of film noir, a genre which has become a vehicle for some of the greatest directors from all time, from Akira Kurosawa all the way down through, like, I guess, eventually PTA, Denis Villeneuve, you know. Uh, the Maltese Falcon features perfect direction from Houston, a truly historic performance from Bogart, and an unforgettable score from Adolf Duch combining to make a film that, frankly, deserves its spot on this list. This is The Maltese Falcon. Whoa, whoa, whoa! A good time. Did you say That's it was the intro. third adaptation? Yes. Mm-hmm. They had already done this three times Holy in 1941. Shit. The novel came out in 1930. The following year, they started filming the first film adaptation. What the heck? Which was not quite as close to the book as this one, apparently. Um, and not quite. Uh, it, d- it didn't lean in on it all the way. And okay. then the next one uh, had a different title. Let me see if I can find that in my notes somewhere. Um, 
it was called Satan Met a Lady was the next adaptation Whoa. in 1936. Okay. And it was like entirely changed around. They changed major plot details and they made it into like a comedy. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Don't like that as much. I don't really understand. Why. And then John Huston was like, can I do this? But like do it like really accurately to the book and make like it do it well. Real good. <laughs> and they were like, hmm. Yeah. Okay. But this was his uh, his actual debut as a director. So, oh, that's awesome. He was. It's an interesting thing to compare with Citizen Kane because, like, we see Orson Welles being like, "Ah, I guess I gotta make a movie. <laughs> um, I will do a bunch of things because I don't know how movies work, and I will just accidentally make something kind of a masterpiece. I'll just." Mm-hmm. But spend a lot of time educating myself and do things very outside the box. Um, sort of this like almost exploratory version of filmmaking. Yeah. And that's really interesting. And that led to an amazing result considered one of the greatest films of all time. Um, this is also considered one of the greatest films of all time. But John Huston's, you know, version of uh, this is my first movie was like very different. He's like, okay, I'm going to meticulously meticulously adapt this from the book Hmm. be super accurate do as much as i can to like honor what's happening in the book and then like his screenplay was apparently so specific that you know uh i don't think they they pretty much didn't cut anything in the final cut from what they shot and he drew each shot like he sketched it out beforehand. Like he knew exactly everything that he wanted to happen, every little movement that every person made, and that was all there in the script. So all the actors literally just kind of rehearsed with the script, and he didn't really need to have any involvement in mm-hmm. that process because he just planned every single little piece out. So Jeez. then when they shot it, it was just easy as pie. There were there were basically no challenges on set. Huh. Go off. That's pretty impressive. Go him. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do think that's interesting, like, comparing, like, in the same the same year, really, right? Like, both, I think they're both 1941. Uh, yeah, I think both so. Both of these, like, landmark directors who mm-hmm. are also best friends, apparently, or, or oh. very close friends, hmm. um, work cool. together on a bunch of things. Nice. Uh, they, they both had their directorial debuts and were, you know, to some extent, pretty instantly critically well-received. Mm-hmm. And uh, had very different approaches, so I found that interesting. Right. Hmm. Um, do we want to dive into a plot summary? I don't want to spoil it, but I have like just a little bit for the people at home who have <laughs> no clue. Yeah, they just don't have a clue. You know, I those think you people should. like they yeah. just like don't get it. And like, I mean, I guess I'm here to like try to help them along, but like, <laughs> guys, get a clue. Come Seriously. on, yeah. get with it. Although get I mean, with it. I think at this point in our watches it would be probably oh, i guess i'll say this again maybe best to watch these movies before listening to the episode just because i would assume it would make it a little bit more entertaining maybe. if you kind of understand what you know when we're talking about a visual a mostly visual medium you know it, it'd probably be nice to have some sort of visual in your head and then we that. can spoil it because i want to talk yeah. about this ending i think so we will, but I think I want to mark out like when we talk about spoilers. Yeah. Fair. Because fair. do it later. I don't know when it's a noir film. It's kind of, it's kind. Of, I mean, 
Yeah. I don't know. It, it's fun to not know what's happening. It was fun. Even yeah. It's not essential. Not knowing anything yeah. about it, really. And the very, very ending, like the last big interaction is like maybe my favorite part. It's real good. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I'll just do the brief summary. Okay. So San Franciscan private eye Sam Spade gets sucked into a dangerous case when his partner, Miles Archer, is murdered for tailing a man by the name of Thursby for client Ruth Wonderly. Sam quickly finds out that Wonderly's real name is O'Shaughnessy and that she was Thursby's partner. Now sucked into investigating the murders of Archer and Thursby, Spade bluffs his way through a cast of quirky individuals to find the pri- that the prize worth killing over is a falcon statuette from the Knights Templar of Malta. Navigating his way through a twisty set of alliances, Sam manages to sort out sort his way out of the tangled knot of treasure-seeking criminals. Sam Spade is a great name. It is. I like <laughs> it a lot. And I like the way that some of the like beginning shots in that film are like seeing his name and mm-hmm. his partner's name, like Spade and Archer, yeah. uh, in like the window, like backwards, and yeah. then there's like cool, yeah. a reflection from another window, or like a, a shadow from another window cast onto the floor that says it, like yeah, you can uh, read it normally. And then, yeah. and then when Archer dies, he's like, "You got to replace the names there." Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's not like a spoiler. It's like the first thing that happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I felt the need to reiterate that. You just said it. It's good. <laughs> anyway. I found this really interesting. At first, I was like a little off-put mm-hmm. just because it's like so different than films that we've talked about more recently. Mm. It doesn't have any kind of like emotional swell to mm-hmm. it. It's not like trying to be this big dramatic opera Right. Or something, which like even to an extent, Citizen Kane does. Kinda Obviously, yeah. something like Gone with the Wind does. I don't know. It just feels like that was almost kind of the film trend was like having at least some kind of, for lack of a better term, grandiosity, whether it was deserved or undeserved. Mm-hmm. And this just doesn't do that. Like he gets the phone call that his partner died, and he's just like almost has no emotional reaction whatsoever right. mm-hmm. for the cold, majority yeah. of the film interesting yeah, yeah it's just kind good. of his take on the whole thing it's just very cold and distant like mm-hmm. he's he's in the thick of it but like he's trying to kind of also keep it at arm's length to some extent as much right. as he can sort of which is classically noir it's yeah. great it gives me so many vibes of um uh what, what's it called the, the the book series that i have been reading uh the dresden Files. oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. feels totally. very dresden and I'm gonna I really read like one it. of those. One it was so. Uh, it seems like such a stereotype. Like when people think old Hollywood, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. detective movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's there for a reason because that like was this. it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. this kind of like, it didn't. Well, I guess I we can get into that a bit. But like, it didn't invent this kind of movie. Right. But it's the first major studio version. It's the first time like, like Warner Bros. just like went in on it. Mm. And that is, like, what kind of popularized this kind of movie. And then from there, it was, like, a big deal. Right. But before that, there were, like, other versions here or there that are just technically considered just early noir. They're not... Mm. Or or proto-noir. It's kind of at this point that they start really just calling it film noir. Right. Um, I I dug it. It's very cool. So cool. Mm -hmm. So it had a 
$381,000 budget, hmm. which is, you know, not tiny, I guess, yeah. at the time. But it wasn't like a massive budget. Um, it's about six million, six point seven million today. Mm. Okay. So, and uh, and Houston was obviously like very careful to not go over budget. He was just like, I, I guess that that's the vibe of Houston, from what I understand, is he was like very hardworking and meticulous and planned out on set, and then outside of set, he was like, you know, partying and like you know, kind of mm. doing whatever, living his life to the absolute max. Interesting. Um, but mm. yeah, but when it came to his work, he was like just very well thought out and mm. kind of calm and orderly, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the novel that it's based on, um, I guess the author, Dashiell Hammett, I hope I'm saying that right, was an actual PI in San Francisco. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And he he actually named the character after himself. That was his middle name was Samuel. Um, but he didn't like he wasn't like trying to be like, oh, yeah, this is like my life, bro. Right. Because he he was kind of trying to make Spade sort of the ideal image of a P.I. Like, mm. he, I guess what he was saying is kind of like it's it's the kind of person that Spade was the kind of person that like every P.I. I ever worked with or met thought they were mm. or wanted to be. Huh. That's cool. So I like that. Kind of, yeah, he made this like platonic ideal form of right. the PI mm. or something. And it works because like, man, every performance of a PI ever is just directly informed by this performance. Right. I mean, I saw Casablanca and I liked Humphrey Bogart there, but this like totally did it for me. Like this was like so much more like, okay, this is the best performance. It, <laughs> yeah. We love Humphrey. Yes, we do. (laughs) Have you seen Sabrina Reese? I haven't. No. Is it good? Yes. That's where I first watched Humphrey Bogart. And I was like, yes. Does that have uh, Audrey? Yes. Okay. Which is why I watched it. Mm -hmm. But also Humphrey Bogart was there. He's cool. (laughs) He's not, for me, like the most attractive man in Hollywood. No. But he's got the kind of charisma that I think everybody ever wishes that they had mm-hmm. and that pretty much nobody else has exactly and his name is humphrey and yeah he's not that attractive but yeah. here we are loving him anyway we love him it's great Gosh humphrey bogart it. is not like an attractive name <laughs> but it became an attractive humphrey. name because of him yes mm-hmm. yeah shout out to my film film coaches whose dog hangs out at glass sometimes and it's this this is so mean this is ugly little like shih tzu mix named bogart <laughs> That's great. And he totally makes yes. these like humph sounds. It's <laughs> 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 like Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> oh, that's so good. It's pretty good. So actually, Bogart wasn't going to be given the part of Spade. Mm. Gasp. They were going to give it to George Raft, who like, I guess is known for like Scarface or whatever, like oh, early yeah. on. Um, mm. He was kind of like one of the, the quintessential like kind of mobster actors at the time. And he turned it down because he didn't want to work with an uh, inexperienced director. Interesting. <laughs> he is known basically at this point, like that's what kind of what we know him for most, at least from what I've been reading is like the fact that he's turned down parts that would have been incredible. And then Humphrey Bogart gets them <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> like wow. he, he turned down parts in like awesome. high Sierra all through the night. Like there were a bunch of like, 
big movies that he turned down. He also turned down a part in The Sea Wolf. I don't, Bogart didn't get that part. I don't remember who did. But like mm. big movies, he, he just turned down so many parts he all big the movies. time. And was he just narcissistic? Like too good just, for it? Well, yeah. Like some of them were like, well, I don't want to have to play the heel. Or, you know, I don't want to have to work in an inexperienced sector. He was always just like, no, I'm not doing that. Pretty much all the time. And Entitled then they become men. these, like, they would have been his biggest roles ever. Wow. You know? Mm. So. Of course. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It worked out okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it worked out in a, in a really big way because Houston was, like, so happy that Humphrey Bogart was willing to do this film mm. that they started to get along really well and then became, like, best friends throughout their entire lives nice. and worked on, like, a trillion masterpieces together. Like, there's Kurosawa and Toshiro Mifune, and that's, like, considered one of the most legendary film collaborations of all time. And then there's John Huston and Humphrey Bogart, and those are, like, Hmm. kind of considered in pretty much in the same tier nice there aren't quite as many as there are between kurosawa right. and Miffy Knight, but like yeah. there are the quality is there how much of a career did humphrey bogart have before this movie do you know i think he was already a pretty big ish deal okay. but like again most of the big movies that he's remembered for now were starting at this time and okay. after makes sense so. Like the Treasure of the Sierra Madre yeah. or the African Queen or Casablanca, you know, we're all kind of post the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but cool. you know, he was he was still a name. Gotcha. For sure. Um, also, this was Sydney's Sydney Greenstreet's first screen performance Whoa. as uh, Gutman. Nice. Mm-hmm. And the fat man. He's pretty good. He's good. I really like him. The he, fat man. <laughs> he was a um, stage actor mm. for a really long time he was kind of legendary and then they got him for this part and it was like Dope. oh it was perfect and i don't i don't know how i feel about it. i think now <laughs> we would consider a lot about this fat shaming but they were like oh man he's perfect he's like 300 pounds or something yeah. <laughs> uh, he's perfect <laughs> and they're like we just need a really fat guy and we need to call him <laughs> fat man yeah and then his name is gut his name is gutman <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like and it's, it's funny. Like hey, they, they were excited the about it. It wasn't a bad thing. It was what they needed. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. I don't. I don't know. I just. I would feel kind of weird being an overweight actor and being categorized as the overweight actor. He's the one that's fat. You could never. That line where he's like, "Oh, you couldn't miss him. He's like three hundred pounds." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know Poor why, dude. but Gutman doesn't strike me as somebody that's you know be like, "Oh man, that guy's that guy's obese." He's probably no. not okay or something. You know what I mean? It's yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well. He just, I don't know. He's the, he's the inspiration for that walrus guy in Alice in Wonderland. No I way. I assume. That's, <laughs> not, that's not a fact. No. Wow. I was like, I can see it. <laughs> the time. They make it seem uh, like at I'm the so time mean. that like there was no such thing as being overweight or something like that. That's the way that like he was talked about, and that's it's like fair. I don't, especially probably in the Hollywood scene. Yeah, like I guess so. So, Bogart look at him was, go. He's pretty lean. Yeah, lean. That, why is that the thing? Like Hollywood actors have to be like, is in that time especially was like you basically have no no muscle at all, and you've got a really big head, and you're kind of <laughs> short. Big head, yeah. That was what that's that was what they wanted at the time, and it's like that's man, true. Humphrey Bogart has a big head. He's got a really big head. That, I think <laughs> I said that the first time I watched Sabrina. I was like twelve, and I was like, he looks like a bobblehead. 
he is a why was he so successful <laughs> he, was, he was made to be a bobblehead he was a talented bobblehead though and that's what matters <laughs> yeah so i already said all the things about about you know it being the debut and about him you know sketching every single shot keeping the schedule um however one thing that houston wanted to do that he could not do thanks to the hayes office thanks hayes code for sucking um so he had to cut out pretty much every sexual reference and minimize massively the amount of drinking Hmm. but houston was like but bro like the whole point of Sam Spade is that he drinks like half a bottle of whiskey in a day. You know, like he right. just, Always. just drinks all the time and you yeah. can't like minimize that from the character. Mm. But they still like they managed to kind of get it in a little bit, but not make a big deal out of his drinking. And I feel like maybe that would have I guess the, what the term that I think I saw was like falsifies falsifying the character. Yeah. And it kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, it, it would probably a be a little bit more something. Yeah, because I feel like even that trait is something that's baked into like the the trope of that right. kind of character now. Yeah. So yeah, it is kind of weird that you the have the an early like example that can't. didn't have it. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, oh, the the only bit apparently there was only one like major like scene in the novel that he cut out, hmm. which is just this bit where Spade is telling O'Shaughnessy a story while waiting for um, Cairo to get there at the apartment he just he tells it he tells her a story that's that's the only thing they took out hmm. i guess of the book hmm. which is kind of crazy because you think about a lot of you know book to movie adaptations and you're like oh man it's it's got the same essence maybe but yeah. like a majority of the things in there are not there and he was yeah. just like i'm a, i'm gonna put it all in <laughs> i guess it must I have been a short novel more people were right. like that today that'd yeah, be nice honestly and he definitely was very highly regarded for for the screenplay like people yeah. are like this is like a perfect adaptation mm. you've done a fantastic job sir and he's like you know I guess like I, I i'm aware yeah. <laughs> well he was actually so he was a screenwriter before he was a director so he was already pretty well known oh, i think okay. he had received some nominations right. and stuff like that before even before he started doing this actually i guess i could go into that now if you guys are interested i've got like a mini bio of John Houston. I'm interested. Because he's interesting. Uh, so he was born in 1906, died in 1987. He actually, like early on in his career, he was a painter in Paris. That's what he was doing. So that's Ooh, why he, you know, he'd always sketch out things. He would, you know, when he, when he started directing, he was like painting was one of the most influential things for me ever. Hmm. And he would always make sure that he had, you know, storyboards upon storyboards upon storyboards That's for cool. his movies um then he moved to mexico and i i read somewhere that he was like i don't even know like a wrangler there or something he just <laughs> he did he did a bunch of bonkers things uh and then he began writing while he was in mexico and and continued you know writing novels writing screenplays worked his way up to be becoming like a pretty big screenwriter in la had nominated was nominated for like i think two academy awards as a screenwriter and then he was like ah sir sir mate i direct this film (laughs) and then he became a real big deal as a director like instantly from the moment that this movie came out people were like oh he's probably one of like 
the biggest deals in, in directors in it hmm. ever. Look at him go. Look at that glow up. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even in a like painter in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> what? He he basically He's did everything. Fine. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's lived in a bunch of different countries. <laughs> Wrangler in Mexico. In nineteen sixty four he was like, you know what, I'm done with the US. It kinda sucks here. And so he gave up <laughs> his US citizenship and became a citizen of Ireland. <laughs> Ouch. Yep. I know we suck, but come on, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, I mean, I think he came back to live in the U.S. for a while because mm. he wanted to continue making movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he was always an Ir- Irish citizen from that point on. Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So as far as Academy Awards go, he was nominated for 15 like, Oscars. He won two. Hmm. And he directed 15 actors to nominations themselves. Oh, nice. my gosh. And actually wins. Wait, are any of those memorable? Um, well, he actually, I, I read that he actually directed both his father and his daughter, Angelica Houston, to Oscar wins, <laughs> which awesome. means that they were like the first three generation Oscar winning yeah. family. Jeez. So That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So, yeah, that's kind of rad. Type. Also, yeah, I didn't realize that he was Angelica Houston's dad. Yeah, she's I didn't cool. even think about that. Mm-hmm. Angelica Houston is in, like, uh, a bunch of Wes Anderson movies and stuff. She's cool. I was just telling Hunter I need to watch more of those. Yeah. Definitely watch The Royal Tenenbaums. That's probably her biggest role, but it's also one of my favorite ones. Do we have any Wes Anderson movies that we're doing? I don't think so. Grand Budapest Hotel? Maybe Budapest. Oh, I know who she is. Keep track of them all. She's in Daddy Daycare. How is she? (laughs) So I do know her from my childhood. Oh, She's like the mean principal lady. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, she's she's done like very good things. So, Daddy Daycare is good, <laughs> highest of quality. It will You're be right. our I'm final so movie on this podcast. It, it will be. Yes, mm-hmm. that's one of those ones that they like shot up into space or whatever, right? Are those very significant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Daddy Definitely. Daycare. Daddy Daycare. Wait, really? No. no. Oh, no. I totally <laughs> believed you. I'm so <laughs> not. My brain, it needs sleep. Um, so he was married five times. He just he kept he kept going through them, you know. <laughs> he was like, "Nah, I'm He's done. I'm gonna move on to the next one." Been around the block a little bit. <laughs> and apparently, I, I read that he called his in his autobiography he called his last wife like a snake. He's like, "If I could have <laughs> gone back, the one thing I would have changed is I would not have married a fifth time." Oh my gosh! So sucks to be a hoe. I guess. I don't know, man. <laughs> So he, yeah, he was close friends with Orson Welles, Ernest Hemingway, and Humphrey Bogart. And I like the comparison between him and Hemingway, because, like, a lot of people at the time were calling him the Hemingway of the screen. Mm, That's good. Which makes sense, because he is like, I will only film exactly what I need. I will be very, like, kind of Spartan with the way that I direct, and there's no need to be able to cut anything. Right. It's all just right there. And... I don't know. That's really cool. That's really interesting. And I'm, I'm. It did make me happy that like, oh, he was like actually also friends with Hemingway. Like, they mm-hmm. had like very similar artistic styles, but they were also like pretty good buds. Can you imagine that much like genius in one room? Yeah. Also, that much sexism. Like. True. <laughs> and both of them had uh. issues with women. <laughs> like the quote we said today, sexist, but it's like still genius. Which what? Oh, yeah. Earlier I said that I read something on the internet that said womanly advice is called old wives tales, but 
men's advice is called religion and philosophy. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's so good, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, bothered me. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, carry it's on. True, it's my side plug. Hmm. So the themes of Houston, you know, he was he was really into the um, the less uplifting endings. He did not really like pretty much any Hollywood trope. And so he's like, no, I'm, I won't make movies that just, like, end happy and are, you know, dramatic and fun. Right. He's like, I'm going to make stories about failed quest, unsatisfied love. And he had uh, religious themes of, like, you know, people trying to be like, ah, no, steer clear of the pleasures of the world. But, he was, but like, the point being, like, nah, man, them, them pleasures of the world that that's my thing <laughs> i'm john houston gosh dang it we do love those pleasures of the world <laughs> so, yeah he he's interesting because he like i can't really tell from reading stuff about him if he actually had an enjoy like if he liked his life mm. he did a lot of things and he did a lot of things very well but he, he was also like kind of constantly bouncing between things and changing his mind and he was pretty like pretty oh sorry about that he, he was pretty all over the place i guess yeah he's flaky he's a little he's a little flaky prone to change his mind in in matters of his actual life not his filmmaking i guess mm. that's fair but yeah he was he was naturalistic with his camera mm. he um the thing that i i see kind of everywhere is people talking about the way that he constructs his film in the shoot not in the edit he doesn't reply, you know, rely on any kind of editing to make his films work or make them make sense. He shoots them, you know, chronologically in order as mm. they are and basically you know, no editing needs to be done. And uh yeah, he specifically tried to construct his films in a way where there's there's no extra baggage, there's nothing that studios can cut cuz mm. he didn't he he was just like he hated studio interference. So much that he, yeah, he would make his movie. So there's like, there's, there's literally nothing you can take out of this movie. <laughs> Just try. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's kind of theatrical. Hmm. Yeah. Very, yeah. I have an interesting quote from him where he said, to me, the ideal film, which I've never succeeded in making, would be as though the real were behind one's eyes and you're projecting it yourself, seeing what you wish to see. This has a great deal in common with thought processes. Hmm. That's why I think the camera is an eye as well as a mind. Everything we do with the camera has physiological and mental significance. That's cool. It's very heady. It's yeah. very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Also, he's like pretty well known for his voice. And so while I was reading that, I was trying not to do the, the voice because I can't do it very well. But I grew up with the Hobbit cartoon <laughs> where he played mm -hmm. Gandalf. He did? Yes. He was the voice of Gandalf yeah. in the Hobbit cartoon. We just he watched so that good. like a week ago. It oh, was fun. Hear it. Gandalf, yeah. I saw it for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to, maybe I could find a clip. I don't know if we can play that on here. Can maybe. We? Can we play a clip? Let's stick that in some way, yeah. I wondered if we should like, if it would be fun to like stick audio clips into the podcast in editing. Mm -hmm. Like just bits of dialogue or something at the beginning or in the middle. It'd be fun. Okay. It'd be hard though. I'm gonna play this. I'm sorry if I <laughs> I don't know if there's a way to get copyright claims or something, but like I wow. sometimes it just needs to happen. We need to hear his voice. Bilbo Baggins. Uh, yes. I am looking to hire a burglar. Burglar? I'm afraid.
afraid you've come to the wrong place. Me do not wish to share a grand adventure? Dear me, no. We hobbits are plain quiet folk. Adventures make one late for dinner. Classic. Iconic. So good. <laughs> anyway, he's a great voice, and he was—I wouldn't say he's—he was as successful as an actor as he was as a director, but it's just like he did everything, and everything he did was good. I guess you know. What's that like? Man, I don't know. Mm. Oh, I mean, I guess I might kind of know. Like you it, do. I, I <laughs> tend to be pretty good at pretty much everything I do. Everything. Like, not to toot my own horn or anything, but, like, I have been called, like, the Orson Welles of podcasting. <laughs> I don't know. He's something the bestest boy. Every once in a while. He's yeah. always on time. Always. He's hey. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not mad. <gasps> I'm paying for lunch. Okay. <laughs> oh, you are? I am. I won't let you. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah, no, he was also in... Um, I think we mentioned this actually last week. He was the lead in um, Orson Welles's like last movie that took forever to make, mm. The Other Side of the Wind, which they filmed in like seventy four and seventy five, I guess, but oh, didn't dang. get its release until twenty eighteen, when they finally were able to f- finish the edit, I guess. <laughs> and I think Bogdanovich kind of helped finish it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Holy cow! But it was all shot, and then like he didn't, he wasn't able to get the rights to it. Like, he wasn't able to just literally get into the editing room for his entire life. That would drive me crazy. Uh-huh. He, it did. Yeah. It really, it really drove him crazy. Mm. There's a good documentary about that on Netflix called They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. And Ooh. it's good. So I'm down for a good doc. Honestly, I would rewatch that. Yeah. We'll do a Patreon episode on that. That would be fun. Mm. I want to do one Wells on Horse and Wells. Yeah, that would be good. I, so there's there's a list of people that I feel like we we tend to care about enough here on the podcast that it would be fun to do. I yeah. think we should do our so on our Patreon we're doing deep dive episodes, um for for the ten dollar a month, uh or more listeners is that is the ten dollar tier or something like that like or is twelve it the $6 I think. Tier? Uh, I think six gets the weeklies and like twelve and up gets the monthlies. Okay, yeah, that's that that is correct. I think that's it. So for for the twelve dollars a month you get our alternating between the the Hannah Horror episodes, which should be kind of fun. I think those are kind of videos, aren't they? Right, yeah. I While editing a podcast, I noticed that we mentioned the idea of live streaming them uh, mm. so that you could get the reactions. That could be fun. So, like, maybe... Live. Maybe, <laughs> maybe how this works is we live stream them first while recording, and then mm-hmm. we, like, cut together, like, the actual... Yeah. You like could get the reactions fun bits. that are funny and yeah. like intersperse that with some, some discussion. Right. Anyway, it, that, that's a good Maybe. time. And then we know. alternate with like director deep dives, I guess. Yes. So we'll go deep. <laughs> My first so one is now. going to be in the filmography so of Charlie Chaplin. And by Would. the time you're listening to it, um, it is up now uh, because, um, uh, gosh, we're not, we're not recording in advance or anything. Gosh, because uh, we are <laughs> on top of things. Uh, um, but yeah, so that one should be up, <laughs> and then I would like to do one on Kurosawa, Orson Welles. You know, yes, a lot of those those big boys. Mm-hmm. We could just do more of those instead of <laughs> horror movies with Hannah. Sorry, 
I'm sorry. We have we must give the people what they want. You were supposed one to of these terrified. go one of travel, these takes and I was supposed to get out of that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> one of these takes a lot less time than the other one, mm-hmm. and it's the horror one. Mm. <laughs> it's okay. let's do like cheesy ones. Like I watched this super cheesy horror movie called Eli, oh, and it was so stupid I could handle it. We we could find stuff. I feel like we've got to do. Some like some good some good spookers, but I really think that the first one you should do should be the witch because that won't spook yeah. you. It's just it's really, really not. It it might actually just make you have an appreciation for our movies. Yeah, that's what it, it did for spooky. me. I really wasn't in. I did not want to watch it. I don't like horror movies. Whatever. I watched that movie and then I'm like, okay, I yeah. have I have it, a large amount of appreciation. It's for like okay. mildly creepy, but it's not scary it's like eerie at best yeah. i'll watch it i've heard that one's actually not that bad it's not it's probably as not as bad not that bad as the witch yeah they're That's probably on similar levels you're not gonna get sucked the into either of them and be terrified <laughs> okay right. then you're I just gonna be like yeah. Ooh. right i mean it took me like a week to recover sleep wise from hereditary yeah. so it's Which not fair no, nothing is on the level of hereditary i know I've but seen. Like, I still don't yeah, really want to have to oh recover gosh. at all. It's its own thing. Yeah. So. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I digress. Yeah. Anyway, we'll so find stuff. <laughs> this film made $1.8 million in the box office, which is about $32.8 million today. So it was very profitable for how nice. much they spent. Like it nice. made like, what? what is that? Like four times how much they spent. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a lot more than a lot of other movies we've talked about. Yeah. And, uh, and this is the first time I've actually seen statistics for how much it made foreign versus domestic, which mm. is interesting. It made nine hundred and sixty-seven thousand domestically, which is about six seventeen point six million today, and eight hundred and five thousand foreign, which is about fourteen point seven million today. So it's interesting. It did pretty much as well internationally as it did uh, in the U.S. Hmm. So that's fun as well. It was pretty much instantly very well received. Got three nominations for the Fourteenth Academy Awards. It got a Best Picture nom, Best Supporting Actor for Green Street, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Woo. So instantly his first film, he gets two nominations. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Variety said, this was a quote from their um, article that said, essentially, I well, I don't know if it's essentially, because I think this is a direct quote. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't, don't blame me. We're uh, struggling. Unfolding a most intriguing and entertaining murder mystery picture displays outstanding excellence in writing direction acting and editing combining in overall as a prize package of entertainment for widest audience appeal due for hefty grosses in all runs it's textured with ingredients presaging numerous holdovers in the keys a strong word of mouth will make the bo wicket spin i assume that meant the the box office wickets. Uh, right We'll make the box office wicket spin. That makes sense. Or something. Makes a hmm. body odor wicket spin. <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, it doesn't exactly make sense to my brain what they said there, but it seems <laughs> positive. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. <laughs> Ugh. So that's fun. I guess people really did like it at the time. Houston nice. got a heck of a lot of attention, was instantly considered one of the best working directors. Uh, and also the studio wanted to make a sequel for some reason Mm -hmm. oh it was literally called the further adventures of the maltese falcon oh my gosh (laughs) 
and they were gonna get oh. Houston to direct. They're gonna get get everybody back. But you know, it was this movie was kind of successful enough that they could never get everybody together to make it. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Everybody was too in demand. That's but funny. You've they got like made it the following year. The Scott Pilgrim effect yeah. of like making a movie with a bunch of like middling actors who went on to have massive careers, uh-huh. and it's like you'd never be able to pull that off again. <laughs> like literally everybody in that movie is a really big deal. Yeah. <laughs> like oh gosh. Okay, let's just go down the line. I mean, Michael Cera, uh, <laughs> Chris Evans. Chris Evans <laughs> isn't Audrey Plaza in there? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, nice. Uh, Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. Um. Anna Kendrick. There are more. I yes, definitely. I'm forgetting some people. Oh, um, I don't know the girl who played Katara. Yeah. Oh, Mae Whitman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that's a little bit. That's a lot of people already. Yeah. And then you add on to it everybody's favorite Mew, Mary Elizabeth Winston. Yes. Heck yeah. Big deals. Everybody. I can't believe I did. Big. Think of that. Anyway, Monkey. but that's what's what I makes me Big think of because I always hear people talk about like at the time, like you know, ten years ago, like getting all those was like, eh. and then now it's like, no way. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, kind of that that kind of thing, I guess, makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because like yeah, a, a lot of these actors are considered legendary now, but mm-hmm. like they maybe weren't. Yeah, relatively early. Yeah, at the mm-hmm. time. And then also. Even though it was already the third ad- adaptation of a book, they made further adaptations from this movie. Mm-hmm. Like they did a radio adaptation, oh. did, you know, or they actually did a few radio adaptations. I think one mm-hmm. of them had Humphrey Bogart actually return. I just came across that. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that, <laughs> so I can couple that with another thing. If you have an Audible subscription, the audiobook for the novel is actually just like included with your audible subscription so you can just really? get it it's pretty short and that's not a sponsored plug but i wish it was um, yeah, that'd be, yeah we should get an audible and yeah that'd be cool um uh please sponsor us but also i did <laughs> come across the radio play um there's like a 30 minute radio play with like humphrey bogart and sydney green street on there if you want to listen to it it's very cheap mm. and that's how i knew that it exists that's all carry on interesting (laughs) they also did play adaptations um and they they did a bunch of stuff that like actually got the original cast back so i think it's funny they could get like the original cast back for like a stage play but they couldn't get them back for a sequel Hmm. that's interesting maybe houston just like wasn't available as well anyway the modern reception is also pretty big like it's gotten 100 percent on rotten tomatoes and 96 on metacritic it was considered the first major film noir by the panorama du film noir american it is one of Roger Ebert's great movies. It was one of the first 25 films selected for the Library of Congress National Film Registry mm. along with Citizen Kane. It's just got like pretty much every possible, I mean, ac- accolade it could possibly receive. So that's kind of rad. Nice. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Do I have anything else in my notes that is interesting or matters? No. No, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well they had they sh- the the shoot went so well apparently that Houston like just took the cast to a golf club to like chill and chat about literally anything else other than the movie because they're like, <laughs> we are doing well we have so much extra time nice. we just should hang out. <laughs> 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 Which is kind of rad. 
apparently yeah. it was just very chill. Hmm. Um, everything was happened. Everything was shot in sequence, minor, minus some night shots. Um, yeah, it was just, it was super smooth. The actors totally knew what they were doing. He knew what he was doing. It was just easy as pie, which is crazy for a debut film. Yeah. And for a film that's also this well-received, like you'd assume if something's going that well, you're like, oh, something's got to be wrong here, mm-hmm. you know? I love that he was, like, so meticulous about the details and accuracy, but at the same time, there was, like, a level of trust for all the actors and everyone to just do their job. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he found perfect balance, yeah. and I don't understand. Everybody, <laughs> every like, everybody liked him. And yeah. It doesn't really sound like anybody had issues with him. It didn't sound mm-hmm. like he was, like, a crazy dictator on set. He was just professional and cool. And then... Yeah, I saw some sort of quote that was like, you know, he'd spend six days working professionally on set, intensely professionally, and then on Sundays would just as intensely play poker with the crew or something. (laughs) (laughs) He's just that kind of guy. Get the best of both. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Um, Goals. I wrote, despite this, the cinematography was still ambitious. The aim was to Mm -hmm. further dramatize the characters using unusual angles and lighting. A lot of stuff about the cinematography, like, makes the performances work that is not something that you directly like instantly notice mm. about it which is kind of interesting because yeah it didn't didn't have that feel of like citizen kane or gone with the wind or something where it's like oh man this is like this is like shocking it's impressive i don't know how they did that it's so unique it didn't do that so much as it tried to very like subtly change the way that you see the film mm. but it was apparently still kind of a challenge to pull off so, for example, the bit where um, Gutman drugs Spade, spoiler oh, alert, yeah. and you spoiler. Know, tells him the story and whatever, is like a seven-minute shot, which I just, oh. like, I didn't even notice. Yeah. I think I watched that bit twice, and I still didn't even like it. It's awesome. so subtle. Um, I have a quote from the script supervisor on that. It said, it was an incredible camera setup. We rehearsed two days. The, the camera followed Green Street and Bogart from one room into another, then down a long hallway, and finally into a living room. There, the camera moved up and down in what is referred to as a boom up and boom down shot, then panned from left to right and back to Bogart's drunken face. The next pan shot was to Green Street's massive stomach from Bogart's <laughs> point of view. One miss, and we had to begin all over again. Jeez. Mm. So that's kind of still bonkers. Also, Green Street's massive stomach. Like, <laughs> just the way it always has to be. We're <gasps> calling what? it out. 1940s fat shaming. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, so like they... they they were still kind of ambitious with the film just yeah happened to go really well which is man i've never heard of that in a film shoot like you always yeah. dig in and you, you get like the wizard of oz type thing where it's like man there's just so much garbage should behind be lawsuit after <laughs> lawsuit for right. these people <laughs> everything about this film was like no nah, it was just good like good the film guy. was received perfectly at the time it's considered a perfect film now it popularized the format it was a directorial debut. Everybody on set was having a great time. They were under budget. They were <laughs> like ahead of schedule. Oscar like, noms. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everything about <laughs> it was just perfect. Really, that's fine. It was crazy. John Huston, mm-hmm. we see you. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, so it seems like the Falcon is kind of maybe a real thing to some extent. Hmm. Oh. Um. It's it's well, it's based off of the uh, what's called the Niphausen Hawk, mm-hmm. which was made for the 1697 count of the Holy Roman Empire uh, by by the same name, I guess mm. Nip- Nipalson or something. Mm. It's now owned by the Cavendish family. And I put in parentheses next to that note, this doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Unimportant. Oh. But here we are. <laughs> but, you know, this is 
there's it's like this film just had like so little like in the way you know like th- there, there's so little drama around it that like mm-hmm. this is like the kind of information you find when you d- do research on this mm-hmm. movie it's like oh Fair. they you know the set designer designed it after this real hawk that was encrusted with jewels Yay. Wow. uh i also found some more information about that hawk i guess it was auctioned they had there are a few versions of it and one of them was auctioned off in 1994 for 398 thousand five hundred dollars the movie Which, prop when you don't ingest well yeah, when you don't ingest for inflation that's more than the actual budget of this film had. yeah <laughs> Jeez. Which is crazy uh, the and then another version was sold in 2013 for four million dollars Jeez. Ooh. which even when you do ingest for inflation is is pretty dang close to mm-hmm. what their budget was so is i want one well i have four million dollars <laughs> I knew you did. Yeah, Reese. it's from the Patreon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's because people love people, that content. People really wanted us to get those tramp tramp stamps. <laughs> they really did. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is the first episode we've recorded after actually making the Patreon. Why would you ch- shut up, man exists. in the corner? Go away. <laughs> I'm going to throw this mic at you. <laughs> S- sorry, I spoiled the magic again. You exist. ruined you everything. You kill the magic in my life. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> I can't even look at you right now. <laughs> and I won't. I'm going to close nope. my eyes. The point is, the Patreon is it. so popular. We made enough money to go get the tramp stamps <laughs> and get them removed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. It's a good time, though. I I would keep it. I might yeah. keep it. You should I keep don't it. Know. Like I don't like if I, I would get a chaplain tattoo, mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't want it on my lower back. But no. like also it it's a tramp tramp stamp. I don't like you can't yeah. not. I feel you like know? you have to for the <laughs> joke. It's worth it. Yeah, you could just get two. I could. I'll just get the exact same mm. tattoo in two different exactly. parts. Exactly. <laughs> be like, I'll take two. One here. Can you copy paste this real quick? <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> uh, so now that we've talked about just the random details here and there for about an hour. How do you guys feel about this film? Oh. It's fun. I really liked it. It's pretty solid. I liked it. I gave it four stars. It's a good time. Yeah. I feel feel similarly. I think I bumped it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it deserves it. Yeah. Like a noir film tends to be like, for me, better on a rewatch. Like the first time I watch it, I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah that's pretty good like Mm -hmm. with blade runner or i don't know um stray dog or something anything with kind of a noir element to it i'm like pretty good and then i watch it the next time and i'm like oh you mean masterpiece (laughs) so (laughs) it happened to i don't know i watched it and then i like walked away to like start writing my report and then i like walked back into that room and it had started playing again i don't know how Mm mm-hmm and so I just kind of sat down and watched basically another half of the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, I already like this better. <laughs> so I bumped it up. Nice. Fun stuff. It's a good time. Yeah. Bogart's performance is like, I mean, I don't know that it would be directly considered so, but like, come on, it's it's Han Solo. <laughs> to me. Like, it's it's pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he's got the that. same kind of charisma. And yes. <laughs> obviously, it created the whole concept of, you know right the pi like it's, it's yeah. just so influential um but it's mm. just, it works so well that like 
which I think is probably Houston's intention. It's like you have a film that, you know, the plot is interesting, the plot is twisty, but he's not trying to make that the essential point because it really does manage to serve as just a really good backdrop to just like experience that character. Yeah. And it's a really good character. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's like the thing that stands out about this movie, like in the same way that Bogart stands out for having a really giant head, that character just stands out over top the rest of this movie (laughs) as being real big. It was definitely something that felt like it could be a part of like a series. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, Oh, I can just see him and like, some of those side characters that he clearly like has a, a history with like in recurring like stories. Yeah. He would make sure it felt very like, like the detective shows we watch right, now exactly. on repeat. Exactly. Yeah. Like it just, it would work, man. His, which his felt like cool receptionist. I don't, I didn't, ha- I didn't, I don't think I got the actress's name in there. That is like one of my favorite performances in that mm-hmm. movie by really? far. Like she's I think she's fun. really good. Yeah. And I think that character is really interesting mm-hmm. all the way up until she like, screams and just like fulfills the generic role yeah (laughs) but like before that bit she's like got a backbone and she's like really Mm -hmm. interesting and cool and i was like this is rad she fell victim to the sexism she did Mm -hmm. whoops the whoops (laughs) that's what we call it in the industry she fell victim to the whoops the whoops (laughs) the whoops whoops (laughs) i liked it yeah a very very good time Mm -hmm. it's definitely one of those movies that i feel like i will rewatch for a, a very long time to come nice. yeah i think so too over and over and over again i don't own it though i'd like to own it i think this is another film that criterion does not have in their collections that they absolutely should but we'll never get the rights to because it was some like warner bros thing right. that is now probably on like turner classic movies and they don't you know, they are nice mm. and that well, sucks for knows? everyone they're mean mm-hmm. yeah but you can watch it on hubbo 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 Mox. Wait, yep. is it on Hubbo? It is. It's yeah. not listed that way on Just Watch, on Letterboxd, uh-huh. but it is there. Oh, that's where I watched it. Why did it? I pay to rent it? No. Oh, no, Reese. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> it said it wasn't on I there, had, so I didn't go and look I, for no. it. No. I felt like it was would be, and I went and searched for it, and it was there. Yeah, like sorry. I thought it was there too, but then it, I checked it on, and it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is yeah, incorrectly yeah, not so. listed on Just Watch. Sadly. Tragic. Yeah. Oh well. It's four dollars of my life I'll never get back. Darn. Four four dollars of, of your life. life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so brilliant today. <laughs> Math. It's a good day for me. It is. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Definitely my best. Definitely this my best. Is a day. Houston it's pretty day. good. Do it's we so good. Do spoiler it's a bit. Day. I'm Gandalf. I'm Gandalf means me. <laughs> me. <laughs> Um, are we spoiling things? Is that Sp- we said? Spoilies? Spoil things. Okay. Spoiler alert! This is it. It's happening. Now's your chance <laughs> to turn <laughs> this off. To turn away if you don't want a spoiler. Shield your I, I just want you guys to be aware of what's going to happen. So essentially what's going to happen is we are going to talk about elements of this movie that we categorize as spoilers, which are things that you might not want to hear about if you haven't already watched the movie. Yes. And so this right now, when we say spoiler warning, what we are indicating <laughs> is that we want you to turn away because we are going to say these things um, that y- you might not want to hear if you haven't watched the movie. So essentially what I'm saying is spoiler warning, um, meaning you'd want to turn off now, um, go somewhere else, uh, maybe finish the movie and come back. Um, so 
but don't worry, we'll give you enough time to turn away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter, could you just give us a rundown of essentially what a spoiler is? Uh, it's a thing that happens in a, a piece of media, or like meat. in this case, a movie. True. Wait, a what? <laughs> or meat. Spoiled meat. Oh, spoil meat. yeah, I guess yeah, food, fact. meat can yeah. spoil. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of different. That's like a, a no, subsection of this. I think it's pretty similar. Uh, yeah, but like if you're watching a movie and there's like a thing that happens that's kind of important and it's like a big moment in the story, usually in the latter half at least, that that's a, that's a spoiler. <laughs> uh, Hannah, I'm glad we're having this, spoilers? this introduction on spoiler alerts. <laughs> I just feel like spoilers can be really summed up as like the thing you beg not to happen mm. and then it happens yeah and your whole day's ruined mm. so like but it all Sometimes usually happens so fast so we just need to mm. give them a minute to like think about whether or not they want it to be spoiled yeah yeah so should we do like some sort of countdown yes okay <laughs> um i say 10 you say 9 10 9 8 9 <laughs> wait i thought you were going to say 10 10 9 10 9 <laughs> <laughs> anyway. well, you threw me off there for a second I was like wait what <laughs> okay okay Let's I'll, just I'll do a countdown <laughs> okay. 10 9 8 7 and again when I get to the end of this that's going to be like the time that we talk about the spoilers yes so just be warned right okay so uh, where was I I'll, uh, I'll just 7 okay. 10 oh, okay. 9 8 7 6 5 Four, three, two, and again, when I hit to one, <laughs> that's when we can talk about the spoilers. So yeah. You're going to want to turn off. Uh-huh. One, zero. Okay, so now we are going to talk spoilers about spoilers. Okay. Wow. This is a spoiler alert. Spoilers. I'm 10 years older now. than I was at the beginning of all that. Okay. <laughs> Anybody have any spoilers? I don't feel like I have anything to say. Twisty, about twisty them, ending. So. Woo! It's lead. It's lead. It's lead. The bird is not golden encrusted with jewels like they thought it was it's, it's just a, a hunk of lead and it's a fake mm-hmm. it's fake. and the guys who actually want it are sad and sam's like big sad he don't, I don't give no care mm-hmm. did y'all see those twist endings coming uh, yes because i've seen the this falcon before. being a fake yeah. <laughs> that way i definitely yeah. saw that bit coming what about the lady sense. the lady bit that was pretty well was hidden good. i feel like yeah. I feel good. like that caught me off. That was a the best it wasn't like a kind yeah. of moment, but yeah. it was like that is a good character moment. Like, yeah, like oh, I was yeah. suspicious of everyone, but mm-hmm. it was still good. It worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't know why I just assumed. Oh yeah, no, it was definitely Thursby, and then like nothing about it like struck me. Like I had to be, you know, looking out for it because mm. right, it's not really always a big part of Noir, isn't it? doesn't always like oh there's some weird twist it was this person all along it's not like a whodunit generally you know so i wasn't expecting it yeah it's the kind of thing where it's just like it happened you know it's sort of a mystery you'll probably figure it out eventually and then there's like enough that happens along the way that you're like oh it was probably just this guy it was whatever and then you get that extra it's just like it was me and you're like oh and it changes yeah it shifts things in an interesting way and it's cool. I like it. It's cool. It's good. I, it's good. Yeah, end. no, uh, it's just, I think the way that, that all that stuff gets kind of revealed is just this really, like, it's satisfying in a in a way that I feel like isn't generally even done at whodunits mm-hmm. because it, 
it doesn't feel like a reveal that you you needed to be satisfied and then they gave it to you so then you were okay you went from being like a little anxious to being like okay right you know yeah it was like ah i was already okay with the way that this was mm. and then you just like gave me a straight shot of like you know more yeah it, it takes the one thing moment. that could have been like a positive outcome being like well well this was kind of worthless but at least he got with a girl and taking that and being like no she's the one who killed your partner and being yeah. like he does guess you have to go to jail too and even his like <laughs> weird sense of like apathy mm-hmm. to his partner's death and being like you know he's like you got to like right something happens to your partner you have to do something it's more out of it's more out of like he even says he's like it's more out of duty Mm. because i was bound to that person more than any like feeling that i have for him specifically Mm. it's like i'm not like broken up about it it, but like he was so depressed and apathetic and quintessentially noir yeah perfection and that he doesn't really fully end up with the femme fatale Mm -hmm. everything about the ugh. Mm. Mm -hmm. i want to talk about the way he kissed her <laughs> and how his thumbs like poked her cheeks. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. I didn't notice. Did didn't not notice. That. It was like, I think the first time he kisses her and he's holding her face and oh. it, his thumbs kind of like poke into her cheeks <laughs> and like go in circles. <laughs> like even after he pulls back, he's talking to her awesome. and he's still like doing this. Uh, I was like, oh, oh that'd boy. be so distracting and uncomfortable. Like, oh, okay, I would hate that. <laughs> yeah, it looked weird. very weird but um yeah i don't know but i mean so does he (laughs) true (laughs) (laughs) it's like massaging her dimples (laughs) you know that's just something people it's normal i I like the idea of that just happening on set and and mary astor being like what are you and he's like that's just that's how people do it right it's passion that's passion passion. (laughs) it's passion (laughs) she's like leave me alone And Houston's like, no, I think he's got something going on there. Yeah, I think that works. <laughs> I say go with that. Yeah, that's definitely or no or the idea just that Houston had that like sketched out in his like script. He was just like, no, he's got it, <laughs> and you gotta press your you gotta press your thumbs right into the cheeks there. Move them in circles till she's very uncomfortable. I just <laughs> perfect. Realized it almost has like a a weird kind of harem-y protagonist thing going on because he's got two ladies that are interested in him to some extent and he kind of blows both of them off to Mm -hmm. some extent which is kind of funny which fits really well in the idea of him being like ah no this is like what all of these pis like thought they were wish they were so it's like this weird kind of like almost aware that it's just kind of a male fantasy type situation there's this weird like character ideal of being like he they have women falling over them but they like don't notice and they just are like or they don't care okay whatever yeah, yeah they're just like Ugh. stupid ladies like it's, it's weird stupid ladies. it's weird it's funny you know, i don't those know ladies it fits they're stupid stupid I ladies <laughs> i think this all those a, ladies are stupid i don't know what my take is on that trope but like i mean it's good they're rage i keep killing my partners i like it in the context of this movie when you look at it as like being a yeah like some sort of weird yeah fantasy yeah it's like (laughs) it's interesting because it is in a weird way when it that it's self-aware that it is that almost less problematic in a strange way yeah i don't know or maybe it still is i don't know know. it's not great 
mm-hmm. there were still bits of this movie that was like, oh man, that's just kind of very 1940s and very sexist in a way that is not um, good. Controversial opinion. Uh, sexism, mm-hmm. bad. Mm. But Controversial. Interesting take. Yeah. How dare you I know say a lot that. of people would disagree with me on that. But yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Ghost, like as the only woman on this podcast, I would like to say that I love sexism. Uh, let me just <laughs> cut you off there as the, f- the as the real feminist of the podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> mm. Oh man, I love that bit. There's a there's a podcast I listen to where one of the guys labels himself as the feminist of the podcast and constantly <laughs> cuts off his female <laughs> co-star. <laughs> it's just like, it's like the feminist of the pod. I think I'll take this one. I'm gonna need to uh, uh, cut you off right there. And he just constantly a mansplains. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, we love <laughs> that. It's so funny. All in good humor. Oh man. Oh man. Gotta give a woman. Oh, oh, you're right. Oh man. How dare you? Oh woman. Uh, feminist see, okay that's something i've been actually like really <laughs> irritated about with my own speech is that th- there was a certain point in time in which trying to actually learn how to connect with guys a bit more mm-hmm. i started just saying like uh, yeah, hey man like just, just <laughs> having the like direct address of yeah. man at the end of things mm-hmm. and that th- that just became such an essential part of my speech now that like Every like I say, man to everybody, uh, you know, like <laughs> regardless of gender, it's just man, you know. Yeah. Or I'll see my grandma. I'm like, "Sup, man? How's it going?" <laughs> I bet she doesn't really resonate with that. No. <laughs> I know your grandma. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with it because I'm a bruh girl. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You're bruh. T- total bruh. Bruh. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I do want to have like a non-gendered direct address though. Mm. And like, what's up, homie? Something about homie's like, a little more, yeah, <laughs> but it's a little more bro. Kidding, and like, I know. know. Yeah, bro me. I want to go for, I don't know. The thing is, a friend didn't sound in a lot of context just like a little creepy. Like, hey friend, <laughs> hey friend. Like, I would go with that, but like, yeah, I know someone who I says that all the time. It's not bad. Hey it just, <laughs> my dude. Hey. And just seeing your facial expression while hearing that is just, it's a time <laughs> that I'm having. It's a time. It should it's be over. <laughs> could, yeah, we could be done. It's all good. It's all I'm going to go. I'll see you guys Okay, around. see you later. So you guys can wrap up for me. Yep. I've uh, yep. got an appointment. Actually, check us out. So I'm just uh, I'll dip out now. Check ch- put it at Check us out on themovieoverloadpod.com and movieoverloadpod on Instagram and movieoverload underscore on Twitter Noish. and movieoverload on Patreon and email us at movieoverloadpod at gmail.com and uh, I might need help. Stop saying it, Hunter. Uh, rate Stop us on iTunes. Me. Leave us a review. Hate tweets. Uh, Hate tweets. I'm not really sure what my (laughs) random audience member is getting at. Who even are you? Who's that other man in the the corner yelling at us? Podcast. (laughs) Is that a feminist? Hey, I I already introduced myself. Uh, I'm sad. Um, I'm sad. Now I'm sad. Did I miss anything? I'm empathetic. I think that's it. You guys should quit while you're ahead. Wait. Oh, I hate it here. <laughs> oh, hey guys, I am. I'm back from He's my. Back. Uh, I've. I've. Uh, I was on a 
very interesting um, kind mm. of religious journey. Oh. Nice. I feel like I've redefined uh, who I am. Excellent. And I've yeah. done something with chakras, I think. Mm. Oh, the avatar state. I've achieved Banana and the avatar juice. state. I almost died. Excellent. It was oh. kind of scary. Um, it was all good. Uh, all good things. Um, but I think what I learned most from that is that um, people really should give, at the very least, $3 to us on Patreon. That's our shout-out tier. Please? That's that's the number one thing that <laughs> I learned. Please? <laughs> um, and that we do have a Patreon goal where we will get the Tramp Tramp stamps if we get a certain amount of funding. So. And buy our merch. Buy our merch. Oh, man, we've got some great ideas for merch. <laughs> Fuck Woody Allen on the front. Ryan Gosling fucks on the back. That's a real good one. I mm-hmm. just think that I would wear that. <laughs> I would. Also, we also I want he big monkey anymore. shirts. <laughs> I am so worried that's going to be taken out of context and it's going to be offensive. But I mean, it's got to have a picture. Big monkey. It's got to have a picture of King Kong. It should. Yes. Yeah. He big monkey. Yeah. <laughs> he big monkey. There, no one can argue with it. He really is. And you can put it like arrow just pointing to him. <laughs> yeah. He, or in case you, you were curious like who we were talking he about, monkey. he big arrow monkey. You could put it in like like shocking like thriller horror movie monster movie font yes from like old movie posters that's oh, that'd just be cool. e, big, big monkey <laughs> monkey yeah should it be monkey with a y at the end or just an e i don't know <laughs> e big monkey. monkey anyway good times we plugged all the this things was a, this was a very valuable episode it really was yeah. all of us, i'm sure I had a lot of deep thoughts to share, and <laughs> you guys had a lot of deep opinions to to spout back at me. It was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. There was laughing. Good. There was crying. Stop crying, Hunter. Get it together. What's wrong? He's I just always tearing sad, up on this like, podcast. He's just because I'm yawning, so streaming, streaming tears. Because none of us <laughs> sleep at night. His lip is quivering just a little bit. Just a little bit. All the time. Reese is grabbing his lip and shaking it to imitate the quiver. <laughs> no. Anyway. It's like this. It looks like. Can you, can you hear that? It sounds like. <laughs> I hear the sadness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. I want to die. Get out of here. Let us end. <laughs> Send me the out. The worst thing to say when Cue someone me. says, I want to die. Get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Cue me. Get me. Get Get me out of here. Thank you. Anyway. For listening, <laughs> as we say, at the end of each fantastic installment of this Movie Overload podcast. Hmm. I'm a man who likes talking to a man who likes to talk. <laughs> well done. I really liked Sydney Greenstreet's dialogue in this movie. It's such a good line. He has a lot of really good lines. He likes talking to a man who likes to talk. Yeah, like he's got so many good ones, and that that whole scene, mm-hmm. like when they first meet and talk to each other, I'm like, mm, good, good I things. Love it. That's it. That's all I got. The end. Right. Ah.